You are listening to LP Uncovered, a music podcast hosted by myself, Lauren Plant. On this episode, I'm joined by the wonderful Austrian singer-songwriter Maria Berger, a.k.a. Oscar. Growing up in a small village in Lower Austria, Oscar moved to Vienna at 18 to study her first love, music. She started busking in streets and squares of the capital while also studying pop and jazz singing. In 2020, Oscar signed to Network Record Label and released her debut EP, Honeymoon Phase, to critical acclaim. In March this year, she released her debut full-length album, so let's uncover Oscar's brilliant album, My World, My Love, Paris. Well, thank you so much for joining me on LP Uncovered. Maria Berger, a.k.a. Oscar. Hello, how's it going? Hi, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Good. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm um, really excited to have you on the podcast and to chat about your debut solo album, My World, My Love, Paris, which is just a a beautiful album. How's it been? What's the overriding feeling having got your, your first album out there? Um, it's quite crazy to to finally have it out there. Um, I've been working so long on this WLP. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it feels a bit surreal that it's out, to be honest. It was a process. Like, you can't really, yeah, you can't really grasp it that it's finally out. My family kind of threw me a surprise release party, and that oh. really helped. Yeah, that's nice. realize, okay, it's out, and, and actually something happened because mm. for me I've known the songs for so long um it's a weird feeling of like um releasing it because nothing really changes in mm-hmm. the, on the day itself and so it's kind of good to have a ritual I guess yeah because you were saying obviously it was like two years ago that you kind of dropped your debut single and that's very much in and amongst COVID and, yeah. and everything crazy that's been going on how's it been almost like starting your career so to speak around these kind of crazy times yeah I it was crazy and I mean I've released my first single I think in February 2020 and then in Mm. March the first lockdown I think was yeah that's nuts um, yeah and and I I don't really know it any differently to be honest but it was weird not to be able to play because I've um, I'm coming from like busking and so I always loved playing live and so that I couldn't do that whenever I dropped my first singles but then also my debut EP my first EP yeah. um, last year it was just weird not to be able to tour it so I'm really happy right now um, and I, I see a big difference in like releasing the EP and the album because now I'm able to tour the album and that's such an important step of releasing something I, I had no idea but you can't wait to just be able to play the music live and we'll probably go through the album track by track but um I was saying obviously before we started recording and stuff or in our emails that um I was lucky enough to interview Stu Larson and uh he could not speak highly enough more highly enough of you he was saying that the world's gonna fall in love with you and just like how kind and caring you are with your like talent he's like it's a great combination so he could not sing your praise anymore yeah he's such a sweet guy really Um, nice friend of mine and and became kind of not only a friend but sort of a mentor Mm. in a way and and yeah I speak to him a lot and he's he's such a great guy I also can't can't really explain how great and kind and um caring he is yeah 
Oh, that's amazing. Well, that's how I kind of like started to listen to music when obviously I interviewed him and we spoke about the music you guys put out together. And yeah, so I was very excited when I um, I found out that you can be putting out the whole 12 track album. And I always kind of talk about the artwork as well. Cool artwork by Sandro Ryback. Have I said that right? Yeah. How did you guys collaborate? Was it that you saw his artwork or did he approach you? Yeah, um, I saw his artwork through... Um, actually another artist um, cool. that I came back to it um, over and over again because I was looking for someone who would work with me on my artwork and I was very unsure at the time because um, music is such a yeah such such work to do you know and yeah. then artwork is, is such a different kind of process and um, also mu- music videos for example it's like three very different things with very different skill sets needed mm-hmm. Um, so I was really looking for someone and I just, yeah, I found him through the internet and I really liked what he was doing. Um, and then I very, um, yeah, I, I, I wrote him and I was very shy about it as well. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm reaching out and um, I hope you don't mind. And I really like what you do. Um, and, and if he could imagine working with me and he was super sweet. Yeah. And we've been working ever since. Yeah, because that's right from your EP, right? He's done all of your artwork pretty much. Yeah, he's he he came in um, at the right, at the perfect timing and when I was working on my EP cover and he did such an amazing job. And yeah, I love working with him because he's super sweet and he takes it very seriously and he's an artist himself. And yeah, overall, he's such a nice guy. So it's nice to work with nice people, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Do you find that you tend to look at other people's artwork? Like, is that something that you enjoy as part of the process of looking at LPs and albums? It's crazy because so many people say that they do. And, and I've kind of just started. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, which is crazy because I, I always loved music, but I was never, for some reason, such a geek when it came to artwork and looking mm-hmm. at albums. And because people always say, like, they looked at the booklets and yeah. enjoyed having a CD and looking at it. Yeah, and I'm one of those geeks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it now, but I, I have to admit, I, yeah, I kind of started that pretty late and, and I, it was never a thing for me because, mm. I don't know, maybe I, I've listened to a lot of music through YouTube, I remember, and I did not really buy CDs. And now that I buy LPs, like vinyls. Um, Huge, aren't they now? Yeah, yeah, I do listen to or look at the artwork carefully um, because, yeah, now I now also have to think of my own artwork and I, mm. I try to, of course, like, okay, how, how are other people doing it um, and trying to, yeah, see what's possible, I guess. With yeah, yeah. Well, to go through the brilliant album track by track, obviously you start the album with To Nobody and um, I'm always interested by sequencing and, uh, yeah, what made you want to put this track first in the album? Mm. Yeah, it's it came last. So ah. um, the whole process, it was the last song to write and I really wanted an intro. I really wanted something, yeah, an opener for the album. And it was so hard for me to find the right thing and then I just wanted it to open it with my world model of Paris for a while mm-hmm. um, the, the, the title track of the album and then that song came to me in a, in a weird way and I like it so much as an opener because it ends with um, if I will sing to nobody uh, along the lines of it's okay if I if nobody kind of listens to my, yeah. in, to my music um, because I, I still do it um, yeah. either way and that really was something that was kind of healing for me. 
Um, because yeah, that that's something that no one really can take away from me or from any musician, I guess. It's just a love for writing songs and, and performing music. So yeah. Of the places I know, you're the best place to go. If I wanna feel something, with a guy on the street, with a soul on a sleeve, place for children and chump change. Every day it's something else, somebody else. Obviously, you mentioned My World, My Love, Paris, the uh, title track, which very coolly I've heard of, I've read that you think equate to it being the spiritual cousin to Edith Piaf's uh, Je ne regret ne rien. I mean, I've killed the, the way of saying that song. But um, yeah, how did that whole song come about? Because um, with the connotations that Edith Piaf obviously referenced her in the song, so cool. Yeah, um, oh, that song, it, it was such a journey to write that song. I wrote it with a friend of mine in Ireland. And oh, it was, right. Yeah, and it was just before um, the first lockdown happened. And I was kind of scared of not being able to get back to Vienna. And uh, I stayed at his um, house and we were just talking about how crazy it all is and how much it feels like the world is ending kind of yeah. stuff. And then we really wanted to write a song, but not about that, just any song. <laughs> and he had like a book of art in his um, the house. And he said what he likes doing is like looking at pictures and then getting drawing inspiration from that so um i he said he told me to name three random numbers which then he looked at the pages ah cool then we discussed the the pictures and there was a picture of a a tower that kind of both reminded us of um of the eiffel tower yeah looked like it was coming down and very like um the world was ending kind of theme like very big biblical in a mm. way and we talked about that and then we tried to write a song and and we wrote a song about a guy on an island who made a machine and <laughs> it just didn't feel right we were right. like really lost and and all of a sudden I came up with the first line like the raven thing and then mm-hmm. he added something and it was just like yeah and from there we kind of built the story of of a couple who um yeah, it's a crazy story. It's really hard to explain, actually, yeah. everything that goes into the lyrics of this story. But actually, it's um, I always say in interviews, it's a, it's it's like a couple who board a boat at the end of the world, mm-hmm. like when the world has come to close. But it's actually a couple that go into the ocean because they want to commit suicide because yeah. they feel like it's also hopeless in a way. Yeah, and then and then the whole chorus. Um, we were asking ourselves, like, what does what does um, dying in a way feel like? Um, yeah. And is it like falling asleep? And and then we thought about dreams, like weird dreams where yeah. um, stuff happens that you would never expect to happen. Like all of a sudden, oh, there's Edith Biaf, and she's yeah. singing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was such a nice image. And um, and then we talked about her lyrics and and about that song of Je ne regrette rien. And then that question, like, if our tower came crumbling down and that's where the picture actually came in that we looked at very biblical as i said like tower came crumbling down like the world would end would the world get around to join in and then sing we could have made something of this so instead of singing i don't regret anything would the world sing 
yeah, we could have made more of this. And would Edith Biaf also join in? And just, yeah. yeah, it's See, a bit um, manic in a way, and it's a bit crazy, but I really like that. About yeah, do you do you like that process of writing songs with someone else? Yeah, I mean, it really needs to fit for me. Like, yeah. I'm not a session musician, really. Um, I struggle a lot with writing songs with strangers, to be honest. I tried it sometimes because, um, yeah, it's it's kind of the world we live in now, in a way. Mm-hmm. Like. I've heard it from so many other singer-songwriters that it's such so great like to write in a room with other songwriters. And I do really enjoy it. Um, but I'm also really shy. Mm. And I, um, with my songwriting in particular, and, and I try to really take care of my songwriting in a way. I don't know why. So if I do write for my own music, especially with other people, it really, really needs to fit. Um, yeah. Like that needs to be the... A connection that makes total sense because you're putting out really like vulnerable and personal lyrics so to be able to you know do that with someone that you'd obviously trust and have a good relationship with I can imagine that would make quite a big a difference yeah. did you know when writing that song that right this is going to be the title for the album did that kind of did you get a sense of that when you're writing the song or finish the song mm-hmm. I I knew right when I finished it or when we finished it that I really wanted it on the album and then over the next couple of days, I think it, it became clear to me that I wanted the album to have that title. Maybe yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> something else uh, would come come up. But um, I thought it was such a lovely title in a way, mm-hmm. and I really like the song title because it, it sounds like a, a love letter. It's kind of mystic, also for me. Like mm-hmm. you don't really know what it's about, and then to hear the song and notice that it's not really a, a love song um it's kind of interesting for me like that um yeah that idea and yeah it's really hard to name an album (laughs) yeah i bet so much pressure and because you kind of need to capture the essence of of Mm -hmm. um 12 songs that are different and that have been written at different stages um so yeah but it feels it feels kind of right to me that the album yeah, I, I love the album titled. What was it like in Ireland? Did you enjoy being in Ireland? I love Ireland. So pretty. Um, yeah, I I love it. And my my mom is such a fan of Ireland, and I grew up with a lot of Irish, oh, yeah, Irish music. music. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I've always had a connection to the country, mm-hmm. and and I also had a boyfriend for a few years um, who came from Northern Ireland. So yeah. I've, I've been there quite um, quite a bit. Cool. Did you see lots of like live music in the pubs and things like that? Yeah, for sure. And I also played in in the pub. Oh, cool. That's brilliant. That must have been quite a cool experience. Yeah, it was super cool. I also played um, them. I joined a busker on Grafton Street, which was quite, um, um, yeah, a a wish of mine to once play in Dublin. (laughs) Amazing. That's so cool. Yeah, I remember going in... um, as a young kid seeing someone playing like the Kaylee drum, which I just had never really seen someone play anything like that. And uh, yeah, just so vibrant this city. Mm-hmm. So that's very cool. Cause you've done a lot of busking in Vienna where you are now, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. How did it compare doing busking in Dublin to busking in Vienna? Yeah. I mean, I, I only joined in for one song. Um, Ooh, what was the song? It was, ah, it was um, falling slowly. <laughs> Of course. All right. <laughs> All right. 
um, but he the guy started playing it and I was like this is my chance and then I was like can I can I join in and he was like yeah yeah <laughs> and then um yeah we had a lovely moment um wow. so yeah it's it's cool I I like busking I like the concept concept of busking mm-hmm. and just um going somewhere and um yeah kind of needing to be brave to just yeah start singing and I really I really like that like stars will carve into the universe here in your arms we will start just the two of us And on to the third song, Responsibility, which I've read that you've described it as like a, an acoustic-driven waltz, which I think is such a good way of describing it and just the music itself. But ultimately, it's quite a sad story. What was your process behind writing that song? Um, I wrote it a, a few years ago, actually. Um, I think Responsibility and the last song, Hallucinating, mm-hmm. are the oldest songs on the album. And I wrote the song... I think I just had the story in my head that um, I'm I'm a, a child of divorce, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and so I had I had the story in my head of like um, um, a parent leaving the family to become famous, mm-hmm. or to because he, he or she feels like yeah they they haven't made enough um, of their lives and and they kind of um, leave the kids behind, which is super sad. But I really loved the song Courage by the Villagers at the time. Oh, right, yeah. Just remembering this. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought it was so strong, the, the chorus, because it just says, Courage, it's a feeling like no other, mm-hmm. let me tell you. <laughs> and it's so easy, but so it's courageous to just have like this one word. And I kind of wanted to do something similar, I think, mm-hmm. or try something. That's why. Yeah, I, I had this idea of like really saying saying something bold in a way, like saying take responsibility. Yeah. Um, your your place is in the driver's seat. Like it, it describes it describes the scene where the parent kind of leaves the family. Yeah. And and um, what that does to the family in a way. So yeah. Do you often get inspiration from other music that you're listening to? Like was there particular music that you were listening to around making this album? I know it's been like two years or so, but has there been any like artists in particular that you kind of think of when the process of doing the album? Yes. I mean, I've, I've, I've really discovered so much music during the making of this album and for sure it has inspired me and um, yeah, also influenced my songwriting for sure. Mm. Um, I've really, I think around last year, I've discovered um, Christian Lee Hudson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's such a great lyricist. And I've, I've known um, Phoebe Bridges before that. And I love her lyrics, of course. And I kind of had to stop myself from listening to her, to her music that much wow. because um, her, her lyrics are so poignant. Is that the right yeah. word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's... Yeah, to replicate it in a way is, I would say easy because you can't replicate that, but yeah. um, I, I've noticed that I, I, 
yeah, used some words that I haven't used before because I've listened to Phoebe Bridges a lot. So yeah. I was thinking yeah, I need to stop a bit. Um, but yeah, um, yes, all sorts of artists. Like I'm falling in love with Adrian Lenker um, more and more day by day. Um, and I love her lyrics as well. So yeah, I'm, or Sufjan Stevens. Oh, yeah. well, is there normally a pattern of like melody or lyrics or lyrics and melody for you as a songwriter does that one come first or the other yeah for me it, it often comes um simultaneously yeah is the right word yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so whenever i i play guitar um yeah i just i just um ramble a lot to mm-hmm. to um a melody i like and then um yeah something often just sticks like word or a phrase so yeah it's very intuitive I know so many people or like a lot of artists that I've spoken to tend to like uh use their mobile a lot and like do voice noting is that something that you tend to do yes yeah technology <laughs> that's the thing yeah, I have it's... like the 30 minutes of voice notes that really? I <laughs> trade your throne for bones and numbers or for fear no Remembers your name Never made the front pages You were dreaming of Your Mercedes One screaming off the rails I know every last detail Take responsibility on to track number four, so Mona Lisa, a girl's best friend, which is such like a, a feels very like an upbeat and happy song. But I'm right in thinking this is like a a, a dog that kind of helps you get through some tough times. Yes, so I, I'd say it's probably my most personal song on the mm. record because it, um, yeah, it deals with just my family, I guess, and yeah. with hard times that we had to go through, and the realization that. Um, it was okay because we had each other. And um, so it's, it's about my um, aunt's sickness. Yeah. Who lived with us um, for a couple of years. Her chances of survival were like really slim, but she somehow survived um, really aggressive form of cancer. Yeah. It, it was crazy for all of us, like such a tough time, but also such a beautiful time, which is weird. Like looking back, it was also so, so cool to have her in the house and mm. um, she cooked for us and and she always um went out in the garden and picked up apples and then yeah. orange juice and and um yeah apple strudel <laughs> yeah and then also um my mom i think very consciously decided to get another dog at the mm-hmm. time um which wasn't mona mona we had before my aunt sickness but and we got a second dog um around that time to just bring some joy into the household. And that really, yeah, brought a lot of joy to to us kids and also to my aunt. And Mm. when you ask her now, like what made her, um, made her become healthy again, she always says the apples in the garden and the dogs and us. Oh, (laughs) in that order? um, I don't know. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I I actually, I would have to ask her. Yeah. Um, Well, that's amazing. Um, Amazing, obviously, that she managed to, to live through something like that and, and very precious. Because I'm right, I think you've got quite a big family. Yeah, true. Um, I have a lot of siblings. I yeah. have um, seven siblings in total. So I'm the youngest of eight. 
and I have four siblings, so it's us five, and then three yeah. half siblings above us five. Yeah, so, yeah, that's quite an amount, and then then also some other relatives. Yeah, yeah. So it must have been quite a big party that they threw for you then for the for the launch of the album. Must have been big. Yeah. Um, yes. Um. It was it was cool. My siblings came, and it's so rare that all of us are um in together. In one room together. What was your aunt's reaction like to that song when she first heard it? Oh my god, um, I di- I couldn't send it to her. It was so really? emotional. And yeah. She's my great aunt, so um, she she's she feels a lot like a, a grandma to me. And I, I mm-hmm. never had a grandmother because um, sadly they both died before I was born. Mm. Um, she was the sister of my grandma, but yeah, um, I think she just heard it at some point mm. and then she she wrote me a facebook <laughs> comment and um, under under the video i think of oh. and youtube and she had she's, she's so so touched and um yeah i really it was a hard thing for me to just send it to her yeah but um, yeah so i just waited until she heard it i guess well it's it's such a, a beautiful song i got lucky with you broken a few And uh, another beautiful song, uh, track number five, Misunderstood, which I just love the whole arrangement of it, how it starts with the guitar and then the strings, which I know have been across quite a lot of the songs on the album. How did bringing that all together, in particular the strings arrangement? Yes, um, so I loved writing a song. Um, I had a fever at the time and I wrote the song in like half an hour with a friend of mine who played guitar and I kind of made the lyrics and the, the melody um, and it all, it felt really easy, although I was, yeah, I had a fever. Yeah. <laughs> and I went home and laid, laid down and I just couldn't stop listening to the song, to the voice memo of the song. And um, I really wanted to capture the, the voice memo, to be honest. And we thought for some time that we just used the voice memo as the actual recording because it has such charm i guess and then we decided no we, we're gonna re-record it and um and then i said okay if we record it i really want strings on it mm-hmm. <laughs> um mm-hmm. and I, I it was such a dream of mine to put strings on the album as you said like um there are no, now quite a few songs that feature either a violin a cello or really a quartet and it was such a um, lovely and special process i can't even can't even begin to describe how special it was um, to have such brilliant musicians in the studio who um, read sheet music and are so um, quick to learn something. And we worked with an arranger called um, Florian Spies. He's um, yeah, known in Austria as like a really good string arranger. Mm-hmm. And so it was super, super cool, amazing proce- process. Have you yourself ever played like the strings or was it just when you, you know, wrote the, wrote the music and recorded it, then did you just naturally hear kind of violins or like cellos in the background or have you kind of ever played those? Yeah, I, I actually played the violin for six years. And oh. I was, yeah, it was really bad. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, because I, I've always loved the violin and strings in, in general because, um, yeah, they sound so good. But mm-hmm. when you... When you are a kid and you you 
It's a you hard sound, instrument. It doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't. My sister tried. And to be fair, she was like in her 20s and we were like, we've got to just be mean and say it's awful. It sounds horrible. Yeah. Done, it's, hor- done badly. Done very well. It sounds beautiful. It sounds amazing on the album. Yeah. No, I, I think so too. But um, it's quite frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, an instrument if you yeah if you don't have the talent for it i guess but yeah i i did hear um especially also on hallucinating i really mm-hmm. heard strings come in and and yeah it's it's an amazing process really it's it's so different from what i do um in the studio and then when when strings like classical straight uh, trained people yeah. come in and and um yeah you think I don't know. I could never do what they do. They're so mm. talented. It's crazy. And you kind of gave us an insight into that. Was it the video for My World, My Love Paris, where that you can see like where you're doing it? Was that actually where you recorded it? Yeah. Um, so we that was a live take of the yeah. recording. So um, we recorded it a, a year before that, yeah. before the recording itself. And then um, later on, I was like, I really want to to invite them again and make a live recording of the song and also a video for it. And we decided to make a video in, in the studio where we recorded the album and um, which yeah. is also very tight as you can see. In the yeah, video. it's cool. Very intimate. Yeah. yeah but we thought it, it would, it, it would look cool and we were all yeah. um, PCR tested and also vaccinated. And, and so we thought, yeah. okay, let's just, let's do it. Um, Very cool. Don't tell me it's because of the rain that I feel so much pain. When you burned everything, all the books and all the magazines that were gonna say, Number six, Starstruck. Well, mm-hmm. I read, well, actually, so about a day before I'd managed to, to get the interview lined up, I was with my friends and we watched this film and then I got the interview lined up with you and then I was doing some research and then I was like, Eternal, uh, Eternal Sunshine the Spotless Mind. I was like, I literally just watched that film, I think two days ago, which is nuts because I'd never heard of it. And then I messaged my friend being like, you know, guess what, I'm interviewing this artist who... Turns out um, one of her songs is kind of inspired by this film that we watched two days ago. Uh, yeah, my, my mind was kind of blown a little bit. Tell me about like you watching the film and how that came about to, to the inspiration behind Starstruck. Yeah, I, I watched the, the movie and I um, was so touched by it. And yeah. it got me thinking so much about how you hurt sometimes so, so much after the end of a relationship. Mm-hmm. But... Um, that it's a good thing it happened and, and, and all of that stuff. So the film is about a couple, um, yeah, you, you know it. <laughs> yeah, so it's Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I had to Google it a little bit whilst I was watching it. I was kind of like, wasn't sure what was real and what wasn't real. But it's kind of like erasing memories from like past relationships. Yes, exactly. It's a very confusing film. Yeah. Um, for the first hour, I guess. But I love that about it. And mm-hmm. and so they 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 separated. Um, and after the separation, they both went to a doctor to um, erase their memories of mm-hmm. the relationship. Which, um, yeah, which was very heartbreaking to see them having erased the memories. And I kind of had a, another idea for a song where I was like, if I would lose a, a specific person in my life then I 
would have to erase every bad memory that I ever mm. yeah, had or lived through because um, it's, it's a kind of very complicated way to tell someone um, that you love them a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's very um, complicated. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so the, the chorus is, if I'd ever lose you, I would want to clear my head because yeah. a spotless mind is what I'd need for a life without you. So yeah, that kind of sums up the song, I guess. So um, poignant. Yeah, yeah, I think they're saying now that that film is going to like become more of like a, a cultural icon, so to speak. I think more and more people are, are watching it and actually being like, what? Like, this is really good. But at the time, I'd, I didn't know anything about it. Do you often find inspiration from films as well with your songwriting? Um, I guess I do. But what really struck me with, with this was also the, the word spotless mind. I loved it. And then, of course, uh, Eternal, Eternal Sunshine is about this. Yeah, that's what I find. Beautiful title. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the words. And, and yeah, I, I knew I, I kind of um, wanted to touch on that for some reason. So, yeah, I think movies, but also just phrases that really can inspire me um, yeah. that, that are said in movies. For example, in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, there's a scene where they kind of go back and, and they are children again. And then the, the boy says to the girl, oh, I wish I knew you when I was a kid. And I thought yeah. that was so sweet. And so the song actually starts with, I yeah. wish I knew you when I was a kid. Looking back, I felt so lonely. The actual, yeah, line of the, of the movie. So cool. I was looking at the soundtrack. Uh, I know they played a bit of ELO in the soundtrack for that movie, but the score in general, like the whole music yeah. and the film it's itself so is so beautiful. And uh, your song as a result of that film is also very, very beautiful i still feel starstruck when you come in the room i never thought i would find someone like you if i'd ever lose you i would want to clear my head because a spotless mind is what i'd need for a life without you And uh, that takes us up to Woodstock, number seven, which I just love the song and the whole like similarities between a relationship and an old car and and the iconic photo of the couple at Woodstock, which having Googled it 53 years later, apparently they're still together, that couple. That's why I wrote the song. Um, Oh, yeah. I I watched a documentary about Woodstock. Oh, wow. It featured this couple and it featured them now like they, they talked about how they were still together and I thought that was yes. so lovely so cool um, because I often feel like things don't last mm. or um, moments pass so quickly and when you look at that photo it's such a it's such a time capsule in a way and you look yeah. at it you really feel like time stands still and I'm so bad at living in the moment and I wrote it I wanted to write a song about that and then also about um yeah, that lovely picture. And um, mm. so, yeah, that's that's basically Woodstock. Yeah, no, it's so cool. And the video also is amazing. And it's a good job that you're not afraid of heights because, like, oh like, when you're walking around looking at the camera, I was like, wow, we're quite close to the edge in some yeah. parts of that video. How did that come about? Crazy. I'm so afraid of heights. Oh, are honest. you? <laughs> yeah, I was when I was a kid, especially. And now I'm, I'm still, I'm just, I'm, I respect heights a lot. Okay. Um, I yeah, my friend a friend of mine has a really cool rooftop and I, I thought, yeah, let's shoot something on there. And um we came there and we, we said we wanted to shoot something while the sun is setting. Yeah, so beautiful. And then um 
all of a sudden I realized, okay, but the sunset is at like eight, but the sun is actually setting behind the buildings okay. already. Is it in so, Vienna? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, it was in yeah. Vienna. And I was like, okay, we have probably another 15 minutes or so. And then we kind of quickly uh, made this choreography. And I was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to be here. And then I'm going to go there and you're going to follow me. And I think that was such a, it was so perfect because there was no time to think about like the height of the yeah. building. There are also no fences. So it was really, oh. actually really dangerous. dangerous. But um, we were kind of far away from the edges. It looks yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. But also not that far. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It it was a bit crazy to do that, but um, I love the outcome. Um, so never cool. do that. I, I should have. Don't should've try this at home. Don't try this at home. <laughs> do you enjoy the video process of songs? I hate it. Really? <laughs> yeah, I despise everything that's. Oh, um, no. I'm 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 kind of over exaggerating. I love it for other people now. Mm-hmm. Um, but making a music video is such a different process. Um, I loved making my first video, to be honest, Disney yeah. Universe, um, because I had a lot of time and I had the idea um, and I kind of had the time to really do everything that I had in my head. Mm-hmm. But um, now it's really difficult if you don't have a big budget, to be honest, yeah. to make a music video. And it's so much work and it always turns out different um, than you have it in your head. And that can be very frustrating. Um, mm. But I really like Woodstock and I, I like that you picked that out and, and yeah. said that you like the video because I also really like that video as well. Yeah, it's a great video, um, definitely. Especially like during the times of COVID not being able to travel and, and things like that. It does kind of give you like a little a little insight into city life and, and Europe yeah. and Vienna so uh, yeah it's beautiful very cool and amazing that it came together so quickly and uh, I presume you weren't afraid of heights but well done for doing that even though you are apparently afraid of heights but but also one thing with music videos now um, I feel like one shots are the way to go for me it doesn't really take that much editing and if you have a good idea um, I really love the concept of a one shot so that means just filming it all in one go right Yes, exactly. Yeah. So no, um, no cutting. Have you seen the film 1917? Uh, no. It's like a war. It's like a war epic film, and I'm pretty sure that they literally just do. It's like an hour and forty minutes, and it's all in one shot. And yeah, you should watch it. I'd never really heard of that kind of like style of directing before, yeah. but um, yeah. So it was got lots of rave reviews. So that's right. another film on your next album. I'll be keeping an eye out. <laughs> if there's yeah. any reference to, to that, it'd be quite a hard film to get in about a war, but uh, maybe not yeah. the most light-hearted <laughs> <laughs> references. Let's stay So number eight, Lousy T-shirt, which is, again, is a very like personal and an honest song, ultimately about a breakup. But how was it for you going from the breakup and then thinking, I'm maybe going to make a song out of this? Was it that it was kind of like straight away you wanted to put words down? Yeah, it took me, I think, two months. Oh, wow. Um, I really did not have the words for it. Um, it was not the best and healthiest relationship. Um, Especially like as more time passes, I see more and more that Mm. um, 
yeah, it just wasn't that good of a relationship and I had not fully processed it. And even when I wrote the song, I hadn't fully processed the relationship. Yeah, and I wrote it in the summer. I was still, yeah, very, not even heartbroken anymore. Mm. It was two months after the, the breakup, but just very confused about everything. So it was kind of important to write this song. But I have to admit that it's um, the hardest song to play live as well. Is it? Like, yeah, it is very personal. And, and sometimes, not that I wish that I hadn't put it out, but yeah, there is a part of me. Yeah, I think I wouldn't do it again. Not th- okay. with this song, but yeah, if I ever yeah. had a relationship again. And um, lousy is quite a unique word. Do you use yeah. that quite a lot day to day? Because it stuck out as the word lousy. I thought it was a great word to use in a song. Cause... Oh, thank you. Yeah, there are these T-shirts um, that when you go to a place as a souvenir, you can buy like T-shirts. Oh. To blank, I don't know, any yeah. country. And all I got was this lousy T-shirt. Got you. So okay. It's kind of that idea that like what, what remains of a relationship. And also <laughs> what I found really funny um, I'm a big um, Jomba S fan or John Bass, I think a lot of. Oh, people. okay. And she wrote a she wrote a breakup song. I think it was about Bob Dylan. Oh, and, um, Diamonds and Rust. Yes. Yes. What a song? And then, uh, yeah, and there she sings um, something along the lines of, um, "You said that my poetry is lousy." Oh yeah. And I was like, and I listened to it with a friend of mine, and and I said. She also wrote, wrote a lousy t-shirt. Lousy. There you go. I was thinking that it hasn't been used much, the word lousy, but yeah. diamonds and rust. That's so true. I saw Joan Bias. She performed at Cambridge Folk Festival in England and she didn't do that song and I was absolutely gutted. Yeah. But It's her lousy t-shirt. Maybe it's, it's her lousy t-shirt. t-shirt. Exactly. She might not want to play it live, but, you know, we're getting to the, the concert. I was like, she's going to finish with Diamonds and Rust. Like, she's going to... But anyway, I forgive her. It's an amazing song. And... She's so badass. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe she did it on purpose just to keep keep people on the Exactly. Head. She might just not... She might not have wanted to do it, but um, either way, it's a beautiful song. That's really cool. That's very interesting to know that you listened to that song and heard lousy. But I wonder Another really personal and honest song uh, next on the album was Crooked Teeth. Uh, how yeah. long did that song take to write? Am, am I writing thinking that again was a couple of months? or? Yeah, so I wrote it around Christmas, I think, and I wrote the first verse and the first chorus and also the pre-chorus very, very quickly. And then it took me some time to write a second verse. Yeah, were they quite close together, the writing a lousy t-shirt and Crooked Teeth? Um, lousy t-shirt I wrote in the summer of um, 69 <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> or Brian Adams <laughs> um, in uh, tw- 2020 in the summer and um, Crooked Teeth I wrote around Christmas so a yeah. couple of, yeah a few months 
is it hard going through songs track by track when it's been like two years potentially since you wrote some of those songs how's it been you know discussing music off the album when it's been quite a long like some of these songs obviously have done so long ago yeah it's weird um because with the the oldest songs which are responsibility and hallucinating Mm -hmm. they're so long ago that i really appreciate them i really love those songs especially live i really like playing them live and then i also love the new songs a lot like the ones Mm -hmm. that are very close to the album yeah um but yeah, it's it's with with a couple of songs. Um, I think they'll be redefined at some point. to ABC um, which has a lovely piano on on it that really stands out and uh, very just very clever lyrics with the whole alphabet yeah do you remember at what point that kind of came to your mind about the ABC concept yeah so I, I was in such a weird situation where my best friends I kind of um, matched my two best friends oh you were like a matchmaker yeah matchmaker yeah and they're still together which is oh absolutely great and um, but in the beginning it just felt weird because mm. um all of a sudden those two yeah most the two most important people in in your life all of a sudden um yeah they're very much in love and both at the same time just felt very absent and i i had this idea of like okay when a loves c what about b will yeah. we be happy again and it was very I, I never wanted to release it um because it was very much just for me and then I revisited it um, a year later, I think, and the situation completely changed and it was no problem whatsoever for me anymore. And it kind of showed me like how time can just make everything okay in a personal mm-hmm. life, um, like situations and heartbreaks and whatnot. Um, so I added the C part to the song, which was um, if I could be anything I want to be, I just yeah. want to be and that kind of made it, yeah, made it cool for me to to so also cool. record and put on the album. What do your friends think of the song? Oh, they love it. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. I know, they really love it. Um, yeah. No, it was never like hard feelings. And, and yeah, it was just a moment where, yeah, where it felt a bit hard. And mm. um, that's, I love songwriting because it's, um, you can just, yeah. Um, that's it now your friends will want you to match make them you've got good track history by the sounds of matchmaking so now your other friends are going to be like maria i match um, what's the word matchmaked yeah uh yeah that's right yeah a lot of my friends actually really i think three couples in total and they're all all three of them are still wow that is good that's a good history yeah wow not a one-trip pony either that's three successful relationships yeah good thing to be friends with maria you can easily <laughs> potentially find the love of your life
number 11, Helplessly Hoping, which I didn't realize was a cover song. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the song and I thought, oh my God, these harmonies. And I just thought it was amazing. It's such, such a beautiful song. And then I heard the original and I just, my mind was blown. I just think it's your interpretation of it and just your vocals just, just match it. And yeah, it's just such a wonderful cover. How did that come about? Um, yeah, I, I loved the song for years. I really liked the song. And I wanted on, on the album, I wanted something that I could sing with my siblings because mm. we've always sang together in our childhood. And so I just wanted to capture that on the album as well. And the, the song is so special because it has like three or four harmonies yeah. in it. Yeah. So it, it's a perfect song for singing together as well. And I've loved it for years. And so it was just a, the perfect mm. choice. And what, so it was your sibling singing on the record? On the yes. song. Oh, yeah. cool. Was it the brother that you get the Oscar name from? Was yeah. he in it? Yeah, he was in it. And um, my brother Michael, my brother Merlin, and my sister Lini. That's cool. I didn't realize they were on. That's really cool. Are you gonna, have you played it live yet with them or not yet? Um, no, I played it live with my band. They're also all very good oh. singers. Yeah. So, like, we do it as a band. Oh, amazing. Kind of takes us very nicely up to the the last song on the album, hallucinating number twelve, the longest song on the album. And uh, did you say it's one of the oldest songs? Yes, yes. Yeah. What made you want to put that one last? Um, I think after I wrote it, I kind of really wanted it to be the last song of my debut album, also because of the last words of the song that are, um, "Would you hallucinate a little longer with me?" I really wanted that to be the closer of of the album. I thought that would be pretty. <laughs> yeah. What's that one like playing live? I love playing it live because it's such, um, it's also a lot of harmonies. Yeah. I love singing with my band. The, mm-hmm. the guys have amazing voices and it's so, it's so powerful to sing together. So I love, love playing it live. And also I, I named my tour after the song. So my, oh, my first, my album tour is called Hallucinating Tour. Yeah, because um, the song is so important to me, and often, um, and I didn't realize it beforehand, but the last song on a record often also gets in a way overlooked because, yeah. especially on, on on Spotify and streaming platforms, and so I wanted to give the song special attention. Um, that's cool, and that's why I, I named the the album tour after it as well. And so some final, like, quickfire questions about the album. Some of it we've already kind of, like, touched on. Uh, but which songs came together the quickest and which took the longest? Yeah, I'd say 
misunderstood. Misunderstood was the quickest song yeah. to write and the longest song to write was probably, let me think. Hmm, it was probably Crooked Teeth. That All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite song off the album? Hmm. Um, I think, oh, I think it's three. It's um, To Nobody, <laughs> I Still Love, and My Love, My Love Paris, and Hallucinating are my favorites. Nice. Good choice. Uh, do you have a favorite lyric? Hmm. Um, I love, um, in my work, my love Paris, I have a lyric that is, um, if I let go first, just think of music, which basically is, is a lyric from my work, my love Paris, where um, the couple kind of, it, the whole song is like the last conversation of the couple. And so one says to the other, if I let go first. So basically, if you are alone, yeah. I die first, I go first yeah. and just think of music. So. And, and the question before that was, um, tell me one truth. Tell me, was it all worth it mm-hmm. if I let go first? Just mm-hmm. Beautiful, Eric. Um, and which song are you most looking forward to playing live or most enjoy playing live if you already have played them? Mm, I think hallucinating. Ah, yeah. nice. Well, yeah. so to finish the podcast, I normally do a thing called What's the Occasion? And I give you three different occasions. And if you had to pick one song for each occasion off the album so the occasions are so you've got a wedding a dinner party and a car road trip oh god oh okay wedding starstruck mm, yeah uh, nice yeah i thought because i was so worried now i thought do i have a nice love song but yeah starstruck yeah. nice yeah um then what you said a dinner party so dinner party yeah just you got friends around kind of got like the like mm-hmm. album on yeah, probably helplessly hoping. Mm, oh, yeah, that's quite a good one. Yeah, because it's a cover. People might be able to like yeah, relate and then chat yeah. about like old music. Yeah, that's a good chat. And the last one was a car road trip. Um, probably misunderstood. Mm. I, I love listening to sad songs when I'm in the car. So. Do you? <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Maybe that's a good one. Okay, so misunderstood for a car road trip. Nice one. That was very quick. That was very quick answering for those ones. Uh, what have you got coming up? I'm very right in thinking you're, you're coming to England, aren't you going to Brighton soon? Um, yes, I'm actually Festival. playing at the um, Great Escape Festival. Which yeah, that's is cool. Pretty exciting. And otherwise, I just have tour now and I'm, I'm playing a lot um, of live shows this year. I'm also going on tour with Stu Larsen. Ah, amazing. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to yeah, give some life to the album. Oh my God, I bet. Well, thank you so much for uh, talking about it. It's a wonderful album, a debut album as well. So very excited for for what you've got coming up in the future. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Maria. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me and, and inviting me for a new podcast. 